Welcome to the System Speak podcast, a podcast about dissociative identity disorder. If you are new to the podcast, we recommend starting at the beginning episodes and listen in order to hear our story and what we have learned through this endeavor. Current episodes may be more applicable to longtime listeners and are likely to contain more advanced topics, emotional or other triggering content, and or reference earlier episodes that provide more context to what we are currently learning and experiencing. As always, please care for yourself during and after listening to the podcast. Thank you. I want to talk about what happened at the end of the retreat. Do you really want to talk about it? No, I do not. That's what I thought. (laughs) And also, I don't want to invade anyone's privacy, but I also think that it was a really good example of dissociation. It was a beautiful example of repair Mm -hmm. after a rupture. And so it feels important to share for transparency in the community. And it feels important to share for the modeling of the gift that we have given each other as a group. And I know it's just you here now because you live here. Hello. Hello. So, <laughs> so not everyone else has consented to that. Be, I want to be clear. So I also don't want to focus on their experience in a way that's intrusive. But just sharing that as amazing as the retreat was, like people prepared for it so intentionally. We prepared to offer it so intentionally. And people were so vulnerable and participatory when we got there, that things went very deep and were just profound, like life-changing. I don't know how to even express that experience for people who did not get to come Mm -hmm. or experience that yet, but it was an incredible experience. And that is still true, which I think is something that is an example of that growth that even though we had this hard night that weekend is still a good thing like it it felt at first like oh the whole retreat is ruined Mm -hmm. after these beautiful days but that's not actually true and with repair not only did those hard moments become an opportunity for growth but we reclaimed what was good and we get to keep that. And that feels important. Yeah. And such an important part of like healing from any trauma, right? You, you don't have to throw out everything that was good. You get to reclaim the parts that are good for you. Not of trauma, but of life, of life around trauma, right? So this is hard for me to talk about because I caused the trauma. I was the perpetrator. So how fun is that to say out loud? You're already making a face. I know because I don't like the word perpetrator because that implies intention or maliciousness. And that was not what happened. You were a human that made a mistake in a relationship or relationships. And that's what naturally happens. You were not the same as a perpetrator. Who does it intentionally for their own benefit at the expense of others? 
Right. I think the heaviness that I felt was I didn't want to in any way dismiss or minimize the pain people experience. And so maybe I overcompensated for that with a little I'm good at guilt because of shiny happy. Mm-hmm. So there's that, right? Dante is like, oh, we should mm. definitely be in trouble for this. So let's be in all the trouble. Yeah. He probably loved it. It's his favorite. Well done. <laughs> A plus in guilt. <laughs> so, okay. So to get through this hard part, because avoidance, right? Basically what happened is literally after the end of the recording of that podcast from last week, we were all still sitting around at the table, had literally just finished that. You guys chose the song, Let It Go, because we had talked about it in the retreat. And we had also talked about some other things in the retreat. We had talked about making System Speak a 501c3 so that more people can have access to more of the community. And... You can get supported in ways that are sustainable for you. I hear you saying the words. They are not words that I know how to even comprehend. Like, it's not that I don't believe you when you all talk about this. It's that I literally can't comprehend being able to provide for myself enough because I am exhausted from decades of trying. Yeah. So we had talked about that. We had also talked about having a littles party because people had been so vulnerable and we had brought up so many hard things, but also contained it really well that we thought we could have this, like basically a slumber party, right? And there were things for that we wanted to get from the house. We wanted to fill out the paperwork to get the EIN number and register it in the state of Oklahoma to start the 5013C process. 5013. Oh, English. And we needed to record the song and the tech for that was here at the house. There are a hundred ways I could have done that, that would have been easier for everyone. For one thing, it didn't have to happen right then. So that was my mistake. I could have brought everyone with me on a field trip, just as one possibility. Not that that's what anyone wanted, but as a possibility. Because it was only like a mile away, right? Yeah. So I wasn't even very far. Um, I could have communicated explicitly... I am going to go do this, this, and this, and I will be back at this time. That's not what happened. I did say I was leaving, although there was a collective dissociation where that is a very fuzzy memory for everyone. And you said, you thought I just meant I was leaving the table. Yeah. And it's funny because you were cooking in the kitchen and I literally in front of you put on my coat and waved goodbye. Right. And dissociation, right? The part that was doing the cooking is not one that is supposed to be noticing what people are doing. They're just focused. Good job, part. Yay! So that's the dissociation piece that all of us so did not want to leave the retreat. 
And all of us were so in the zone from the activity we had just done to sort of close the session part of the retreat, because that was our last session, that that didn't register for anyone that I was leaving, even though I did say the words. Yeah. So that is one layer. But then I did leave. And... So part of that also that I learned that is simply like developmental social skills is that when you throw a party, you're supposed to be there. <laughs> that does help. Right. But I was like, oh, they're making dinner. Everyone was literally doing something to reground. And I'm like, oh, this can be my grounding thing. I'll go get the song done real quick. Because it was Sunday night and the episodes drop like at five o'clock in the morning on Mondays. Mm -hmm. And so I needed to get the song to attach it to the podcast. Like that did, the episode didn't need a lot of editing, but I had to attach the song and put the intros on there. Yeah. So um, I came home to do those things. So that was my mistake was simply leaving the scene of the crime. <laughs> <laughs> well, I fled the scene, but it was not a flight. Like right. I, I was not trying to flight. Yeah, which is weird because I do have a part that is a runner, mm -hmm. but it's very different circumstances when that happens. So while I was home, I first of all, it took me like forty-five minutes, literally, to get from the front door to the table because the children had put up welcome home signs and they had planned a whole thing. Plus they had done similar art activities as we had while we were away. So they had made all these different things and they wanted to show me and tell me about it. And that took forever. Mm -hmm. So part of it also on my responsibility is that time got very slippery because I was tending to them because I had not seen them for days. And just for context, not excusing anything, but for context, this is literally happening like the weekend after I have finished the book and I have um, spent the f days following finishing the book, finalizing the preparations for the retreat. So even though the kids are just coming off the holiday break between semesters, I have not seen them. Because I have been up in my room finishing the book and getting ready for the retreat. Nathan and the boys were here. It's been pure chaos. I was not participating because I was taking time off doing those things. They knew all that, but I literally had not spent time with them. So in their heads, it just complicates things, right? Mm -hmm. Which is an example of my life complicating your life. So I just want to acknowledge that. But... um, I literally had not seen them in weeks. So in their minds, me walking through the door, that was over. And it wasn't just like, you've been gone for the weekend. It's like, oh, you're back after several weeks right. is what it felt like for them. So it took me a hot minute to get through. But I had sent some messages, not knowing people were distressed back at the other house. I had communicated. I sent messages and I had checked in different things. That's fine. I... Doing the song took some time. There were other things happening with because it was a Sunday, so religious trauma and also things happening here at the house that that took some time, all of that. But 
the other context I just want to also acknowledge, I didn't know I was going to acknowledge this, but it feels important since we're talking about it, is that in that same time the kids had been neglected, you had also been neglected. Mm. Not yeah. intentionally and not maliciously, but while I was finishing the book and preparing for the retreat, I did not see you either. And your family was in town for the holidays, and I don't see you when your family is here. And then before that, you had COVID. Yeah. So before the retreat, you and I had not even seen each other for almost six weeks, mostly. Yeah. Like right before the retreat, we were able to connect a little bit. But so you and I going into the retreat were also off, not because something was wrong, but because we had missed each other. Yeah. And you were neglected while I was focusing on other things. Not maliciously, but I want to acknowledge that and tend to that. Yeah. Well, and also, my dog had passed away. And that complicates all of it, right? Because I was stuck in a tap to cry with a bunch of littles. So, so before the retreat even happened, you were in a tap to cry with littles, grieving the loss of your dog, we had not seen each other for six weeks. And then when I come through the door that night, Sunday night, after recording the podcast about the retreat, the children had not seen me for weeks. So like the whole thing was just prime for disaster. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? So I just am at home doing these things, trying to move quickly, but it is like, I don't know, parents will understand. Mm -hmm. If you have met my children, you will understand. It is like moving through molasses. It is so slow motion trying to get just to function, like nothing mm -hmm. even being wrong. There's just a lot of them, tending to each of them, containing all of that is a lot. So that's what I was doing. What do you want to, with appropriate boundaries and safety, share about what was happening at the house? Well, this is where the trauma and deprivation really, right? Yeah. Because our experience was so different, right? So we were all contented doing our grounding things, like when you left, and dinner was finished finally. So I texted you to let you know because I didn't know where you were. And then one of the people was out shoveling and they came in and told us that you had left. And none of, like, none of us knew you were going because we didn't clearly understand or hear that or want to hear that um, or see it. <laughs> and so immediately we all felt like, at least from my experience and what it felt like in the room, it was just like, your presence that had been so amazing and containing and supportive all weekend was just gone. And we didn't know why, and we didn't know if you were coming back or when you were coming back. And we were supposed to be sitting down to dinner, and it was just... Big feelings. Big feelings really quickly. So, I mean, we're teasing, except also it was really painful for everyone. So there was the trauma of the big feelings spilling out everywhere and the deprivation that I was not there to contain them. Mm -hmm. And it's so tricksy because we talked about it being like peer support and here's mm -hmm. what you do and containing yourselves and managing that. Except also 
our weekend together had been so vulnerable and so carefully paced and intentionally paced and contained mm -hmm. that it was like one of those moments where just reframing for safety, right? Because I don't want to invade people's privacy. In Oklahoma, it will be a beautiful day and then bam, there's a tornado. Like you don't always get a lot of warning. Sometimes you do, but it just is. So it's one of those times where it's like, now time is safe until it's not. Right. <laughs> right. So I don't mean to make light of it teasing. I just, again, trying to talk through it. So people were basically in crisis at the house, but I didn't know. You did tell me someone said we should just ask Emma. But you guys coming out of the treat were like, oh, we should wait until we are. Let's contact our support people or therapists and get regulated before we. Because we felt like it was going to be a confrontation, right? Because in our minds, it was already you had left us. I was the bad guy. Right. So we were going to have to confront you, not just say, hey, where are you? And so we all wanted to be regulated before doing that, which then led to a delay in reaching out to you. So I didn't even know anything was wrong, which led to a delay in care, which is more relational trauma, right? Until I got a text from you about consent, which not the podcast business, nanya, nanya, <laughs> except that what that's about is that we talk about consent a lot mm -hmm. and we talk about consent in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And so you saying, sending me a message that said, I did not consent to this in the language of you and me together makes sense. To me, that is a red flag to stop whatever I'm doing, like not just sex or whatever, like anything I'm doing to check in with your system, my system, what is it we're doing and what are we consenting to? Mm -hmm. So for me, it was a red flag to pay attention and I knew to tend to that, but I also had no idea what you were talking about. Uh -huh. And so I was like, consent to what? Like, uh -huh. I, I nothing. Like I had no idea this was happening at the house. Uh -huh. No idea. To be fair, because of dissociation, I also did not know how much time had passed. I knew... Some time had passed because it takes a while to get through the crowd of children. It takes a while to record a song. I couldn't find... Also, this is irrelevant, but just for context of my experience, I wanted to find the piano music and record the piano version because I thought that would sound better. But the kids were down here and I couldn't record down here. So I tried a couple times. I could, they were not quiet enough for it to work. <laughs> and so I finally just had to go use the karaoke track, even though it wasn't as nice. But that also, like several tries of recording also yeah. took a while. So literally, not only were you guys in crisis, but minutes are passing. Mm -hmm. Right? And so... You guys were in distress. As soon as I got that, though, I dropped everything, literally. So I didn't even have, like, the stuff I had come to get for the Littles party or for the food containers, things mm -hmm. like that. I didn't bring any of that back. I came straight back, and we had the confrontation. Right, which even, like, even going into it, I don't think it... I can't speak for anyone else, but it was there was a lot of hesitation on my part for sure because I didn't want it to be a confrontation. I didn't want it to be like a, 
hey, we're all ganging up on you and telling you how awful you are. Because I knew whatever had happened, there was something trauma-related that, that was not like you were just heading out and abandoning us and didn't care. Like, I knew that wasn't what was happening, even though I was experiencing that. And I didn't want it to be this, like, intervention, confrontation kind of thing. But that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and I felt the same thing in a different way in that I very much wanted to tend to everyone. But also, I know that harm creates an obligation and that the people who are victims of the harm make the terms of that obligation. And so it didn't matter what was happening to me here other than intent right. of like I was not trying to cause harm. But other than that intent, what, what like some, actually some hard things happened while I was here. And so I was in a rough place trying to manage that already, but that was not your responsibility. Why, right? Like it's a fragility kind of moment of like, it doesn't matter what my stuff is because we are tending to your stuff right now and not in a fawning way, but in a, you came here to be safe with me and then I was not safe kind of way that I need to be responsible for this. And so trying to apologize for that. And, but what happened was, and I talked about this in therapy this morning, the first thing when it got slippery for me was when people, what I was hearing was, you didn't tell us, you didn't tell us, except that I did tell, mm -hmm. it was not clear. And I understand that about communication and I totally own that. But my brain was like, but I literally said it and you all responded. And what happened in my head was that moment with my mother screaming at me when I was like 20, uh, tell me the truth, tell me you're not gay, tell me the truth, tell me you're not gay. I'm like, which do you want? I can't do both. Yeah. And so that was ha started happening. That's when I first started getting slippery of when people were, when I was being in trouble, rightly so, for not communicating, except also I had communicated, except also it was not in a way that it was clear for people. And communication, I know, as both a therapist and a deaf person, is the message that is received. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what I said explicitly. It was not delivered in a way with details and context that people received it. So it doesn't matter what I said. I did not communicate, period, mm -hmm. right? And so trying to tend to that while also honoring the truth of I thought I had mm -hmm. was tricksy. But then we moved very, like, quickly into, as you all told me the stories of your experience that I didn't even know what was happening, I, the next thing that happened was I just felt betrayed, which is a real strong word. Mm -hmm. And so I know it's a painful word. I understand it was not malicious or intentional, but I felt betrayed that no one messaged me and mm -hmm. said, hey, where are you? Before things escalated to that, like in my heart and my spirit, it was like in our relationship or in the relationship, even through the podcast of the last 10 years, why would you think I was a person that would do this? Yeah. Except also, you think that because your right brain is literally experiencing it, right? So I can't say those layers, especially at the time, not because of fawning, but to honor 
Like we needed to tend to what people were experiencing. Those nuances, we weren't ready for nuances and those layers. So like then having to put my feelings aside and just sort of absorb the impact of the pain that sit with the damage that had been caused, even if not maliciously, even not intentionally, slipped me very quickly into just littles who are in trouble, right? Mm -hmm. So the rest of my night became... There was something I wanted, which was a littles party, like littles from a littles perspective. There was something they wanted, which was the littles party. They left to go get it and got in trouble for being gone. And that went straight to blanket training. I got off my blanket yeah. and have been punished for it. And I could not come out of that. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Well, I'm sorry because I really wanted to tend to you. I really wanted to tend to the group, but I also couldn't undo what I had done. And so what does repair look like when all of those things are true at once? And what does repair look like when we're in a right-brained experience that doesn't matter about the cognitive nuances? Mm -hmm. This is why I'm experiencing right now. I'm hurting and you weren't here doesn't matter any of the other context. That is true. You were hurting and I was not there. And that hurts my heart. Yeah. Well, do you know what repair does look like? Tell us. Wait, I need a drink first. Me too. I need like a drink drink. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. So what repair looks like when you were not there was all of us using all the skills that you had taught us all weekend and modeled for us to make space for any of our feelings and experience, regardless of how like real or logical it was, it was our experience and there was space for that to feel out loud in the moment without having to dissociate, without having to fawn, without having to tend to the one causing the harm. Like that was the ability for all, all of us to come together and support each other through that and help regulate. Like that for me was beautiful. And I've never experienced that before, especially with a whole group of people. Like it was beautiful in the middle of the storm, right? I am sorry for causing the pain and I would never cause that pain on purpose. Mm -hmm. And yet... It was profound what you all did. Yeah. Like we even pulled out the book, the binder, the pages that you gave us all. And we're looking at it to see, look, we're doing it right. We're doing the thing. We're not doing that. It was really good in that way. Right. Right. I don't know if I've ever in my life been able to just feel the thing in the moment as loudly and strongly it, that was relational, right? Like I had been practicing with my dog grief, like dying and the grief with that. So I was kind of primed to be able to feel things because I was trying really hard to let myself feel that. But I had never been able to feel that in a relational way, like when there was harm relationally. And it was really big for me, even if also... Uh, the story I had in my head was not what was really happening, which made it intensified and worse. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. 
And I wouldn't have been able to do that without the weekend for sure, the retreat and all the work we had all done building safety. And then even further back, just the years of listening to your podcast and hearing all of the information and practicing all the things. It was a long, hard night while everyone took turns, sometimes all at the same time, sometimes taking turns of like feeling all the things. Yeah. And like talking about betrayal and really that is what was not betrayal, but actually honoring what we learned together that I love you so much and also I'm really angry right now mm -hmm. and that that can both be true at the same time yeah. and also not cause more damage of I am just feeling this and I have a right to feel this and I'm going to hold on to this and express it. And then after we talk about it, we're okay because I do love you and none of it was malicious and these kinds of things. It was so, so powerful. Yeah. And even, it would be nice if the only layers were, I love you and I'm really mad. But it's like, I love you and I'm really mad and I'm really scared and I'm really sad. And this one is also this, and right? So there's like a million things going at once. But I don't think anyone had to go to like fight or flight or freeze. Right. right? We were able to feel the things mostly stay in the window of tolerance-ish. Even though there were big feelings. Yeah. And not just big feelings, but a lot of feelings. Yeah. Like one of the things we did in the weekend was really work hard to include all the parts of us that we could in safe ways mm -hmm. and structure that so that when this happened, which we did not plan, but when this happened, all those parts and peoples were also there feeling things yeah. because we were... There was not like six people in the room. There were like 300 people in the room. <laughs> One of the quotes from the weekend, because we also talked a little bit about like the depersonalization where you feel like you're not even alive or not there. One of the quotes was like, it's like Schrodinger's house where there's, it's either full of people or no people at all <laughs> at the same time. Yes. It was like empty and a hundred people. That's exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think this was a valid part of it that being safe with each other, even in really raw feelings and feelings that were about now time, this was not memory time stuff. Memory time stuff got activated or brought up with that in some cases, definitely mine. Definitely mine. But we were doing the work in now time when it came up. We weren't stuffing it down. Yeah. We weren't pretending it wasn't there. So was it painful? Was it awkward? Was it hard? Was it exhausting? Were we all spent and needed mm -hmm. to sleep like three days by the time we got home? Yes. Yeah. I do want to say in a non-judgy but also accurate way that I think it would have been easier if we had all had more sleep. <laughs> It was so hard because everything was so good and so nobody wanted to go to sleep. Like at night, we just wanted to stay up and keep talking because it was so good and we knew it was like, for me, like limited time. We wouldn't have more days. Right. So no one wanted to go to sleep. Where There were a lot of late nights. And then this one over here is like, let's get up at seven, get going. Who does that? I got up at <laughs> five, actually. I know. <laughs> Oh, right? Yeah. So we were all a little bit sleep deprived already. Mm. 
Well, and I, I think that's, that's also another time I really want to acknowledge that you and I have been disconnected for those weeks before because the same thing, if we had been attentive to each other in the weeks before, I think that would not have been as big and we could have clarified more easily as well. But for you, when I left, it wasn't like part of me is like, you betrayed me. Why didn't you just send me a message and say, where the hell are you? Right. So, so like we talked about that later, not that night, but later we were talking, like I felt this like betrayal, not that I needed something from you that where you're not, but are we not in enough of a relationship that if I went missing, you would be like, where are you? Uh-huh. Like for me, that scares me because sometimes I do go missing. Yeah. Like it's a valid question. And also in your experience, I had been gone for six weeks. So it wasn't just like she's gone again or she's gone right now. Emotionally is like, she's still gone. Hmm. Yeah. And I'd been practicing really hard, like giving you that space because I knew you needed it for the book and for all the things that you were doing. So I was trying really hard, probably too much at giving you space and respecting that and not telling you that I needed you. And then when you finally did, like during the retreat, you did say the words and I was like, I can't now because we said and I'm not supposed to move them. Yeah. And, it, and it was a time maybe if we had had more practice at that, I could have been more flexible in boundaries at that point. But because we were so new to, I couldn't yet. Mm-hmm. And it was painful because I knew I was hurting you. So that was also happening in the retreat. And I know people pick up on that. But that balance of we want this to be healthy mm-hmm. and to be healthy we have to go through the steps and it was painful not to rescue you which again left me in the perpetrator role and when I say that I know I I agree what you're saying about that it was not malicious Mm -hmm. or intentional in like a harmful way I think what I'm thinking of when I use that word is like the triangle oh yeah the drama triangle Mm -hmm. with rescuer and victim and perpetrator yeah I was absolutely the harm bringer, the harm bringer. Mm -hmm. And when I wasn't there to care, then I was also the one refraining, not refraining because I wasn't there, but I was not tending, depriving. Yeah. That is hard. Yeah. The good news is we had preemptively said Before you come to the retreat, you need to already have an appointment with your therapist immediately following the retreat. And I think that saved everyone's lives. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Except mine, I also went inpatient for the week because it was devastating. Mm -hmm. It was devastating that I had caused people harm. And I think I was othered by default, not maliciously, but I was excluded from the repair and the healthy confrontation not because people were excluding me but because I literally wasn't there Mm -hmm. my experience was very different and then I went through it alone yeah because I was which is by default a natural consequence not something people were doing to me so I didn't get that care until I got to my therapist and could not it was, it was more important. I couldn't even get to containment. It had gotten so big so fast. I had to 
I had to focus on safety first and yeah. I am safe and I did all the right things mm -hmm. and that's why I'm safe. So even though I don't necessarily want to talk about that more, I'm also not ashamed to talk about it because I followed my plan mm -hmm. and that kept me safe. And so, you know, now a week later, mm -hmm. here we are and I had therapy with my therapist yesterday and finally talked through and even learned like, I'm angry. Why are you angry? I don't know. Anger points to injustice. Oh, okay, well, what is that about? I think you were betrayed. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then looking at and using the word betrayal, not because you all are malicious or trying to harm me, but because in real life, in memory time, there are betrayals I need to look at. And if I can't say the words for what it is, I can't do it there. Yeah. So doing it here where it's safe, even if also nuanced, and I understand cognitively it was not intentional or malicious, then it gives me the skills. That is my repair for me in memory time. Yeah. That now as I do this therapy work, I can use the word betrayal and I can recognize that feeling and I know another purpose of anger, that I'm not bad for being angry, that my anger is valid just as much as your anger is valid. Mm -hmm. And that we were still safe with each other, even in anger. Yeah. That's huge. It is. It is. I had a thought and it was gone. About betrayal? Mm. Oh, yeah. So like with you, we weren't intentionally betraying you, but your experience was absolutely betrayed, right? You were not abandoning us intentionally, but our experience was abandoned. So like we can honor those things where the experience matters. And that's an important piece for me to remember for my memory time stuff of like, I'm really good at minimizing the impact it has because intent wasn't there. Like no, they weren't trying to hurt me. And yet I did still experience the hurt. So I get to honor that hurt. I think it's why relational trauma is the hardest, right? Mm -hmm. Like we always say, if you were physically harmed, you can point to the bruise and say, this is where the wound was. Right. But relationally, it's invisible. So mm -hmm. it's so hard to say, this is my experience. So for you all to say, this is my experience and it hurt, it's not okay what you did. And for me to be like, oh, absolutely valid. This is what happened. I didn't mean to. And also absolutely hear and understand that you're hurt. Mm -hmm. And then just because of the context of the retreat, not just that we invited people to the retreat, but also because the retreat was over. Like people were flying home in hours. Like mm -hmm. So we didn't have days and days to tend to things. So it's sort of by default of scheduling, again, not anyone being malicious, but by default of scheduling, I got abandoned in shame. Yeah, which was awful. Well, that is what we have safety plans for. Yeah. And also, what was good repair for me, like you all had that with each other, and I have since had that with them. You all were able to do that together in the moment and following. I have had it since. 
But what was interesting is that you all needed to learn that together and you did the work to make it happen and it was profound growth. Like, I don't have a word for what you all did together. For me, again, not that I wanted the crisis, but it connected me to my therapist in new ways because my therapist was there when I needed. Like, it mm -hmm. got tested. By default, it got tested. Yeah. And my therapist showed up in the ways that I needed. My therapist showed up how I needed and validated all of my feelings. Mm -hmm. And there was no shame in that. And which helped me let go of it and work through that of look how compassionate people are being and how gracious people are being and how we worked so hard to grow through the connections of this. And also it's terrible at what happened. Mm -hmm. And it felt like it devastated me personally and destroyed the entire retreat experience. Mm -hmm which is catastrophizing uh -huh. and a little bit of negativity thrown in the mix. Oh, just a skosh. So to be able to have my experience and my feelings validated and actually do that repair work with my therapist, even though I also have to do the work to connect back to the group, being able to repair with my therapist is absolutely something that I needed. Mm -hmm because of what has happened to me in therapy in the past. Yeah. And that is repair work I did not get in memory time with my therapist that I lost. So to come full circle, even though the issue was not really with her, to be able to walk through that and to see the healing that comes from that was very powerful for me. Mm -hmm. So when you guys are posting on the community about we had each other and we did this together and not in a trauma bonding, like specifically not trauma bonding because right. we had we, talked about it and looked at that. We pulled that one out that night to make sure we weren't trauma bonding. <laughs> right? Well done. Well done. You all did it beautifully. And then people are like, we hope you can come full circle, Emma. We hope you can take something delightful or good from this or whatever. I did, it just took a different shape, yeah. which makes sense because I was on a different side of it by yeah. default. And I think even though, sorry, even though we were all together in it, we still each had different experiences of, and different areas we were growing. So I know my experience is different than some of the others, which means there's of course room for your experience to be very different. Mm. My experience was inpatient for the week today yesterday coming home and seeing my therapist talking to my therapist again today and finally today being able to pull out my art projects and say after this session I did this one this is what it was supposed to portray and here's what it showed me about myself and then cry for 20 more minutes again just for good measure can I go back to a piece, and we might have to take it out, but it's coming together for me in a way I hadn't before, and I don't want to lose the words. When you were talking about with your therapist being able to have your experience validated, I think that's a piece for me maybe of so many times in my life, my experience is invalidated, even though 
like everything in me tells me I'm not wrong, but I have to wear that shirt of I'm wrong and you're right and it's okay, I'm okay, I'll be okay for you to not lose the relationship. And so for me, it's almost like in my mind, I have to hold on to my own experience so I'm not hurt again or foolish, but I can't let anyone know that that's my experience. And then the story gets really rigid and like, I don't have any reality testing with it because you know, no one, there's no space for it. So then it's just, this is what I know and I have to hold on to it, but I have to hold it in really tight in, inside because there's not gonna be space for it out there and I'm just gonna be wrong. And that was completely different this time, which has really been helpful. Does that make sense? It does, it does. And we talked about that since in how even our relationship to be real, we have to be able to do that, to say the things and to feel the things for it to be real mm -hmm. because if I'm saying I'm okay when I'm not, then that's not authentic for you and is dysregulating even physically because you know something is wrong. Right. And if you're having an experience and feelings that you're not saying, then it feels not real to me because I know that there's information missing even if I don't know what it is. Yeah. And I cannot guess or say for you because that's not healthy either. Mm -hmm. So for us to say the things and feel the things is everything. Yeah. It's a really big deal. And I know, like, of course, none of this would ever have been planned. Like, could you imagine getting approval from a research for that kind of a... <laughs> Okay. We would never, nothing like that would ever be intentionally planned. And also, like, it was one of the most healing real life experiences to get to be a part of because the pain is going to come. Like, we're going to have another tornado. It doesn't matter what we do or how much we learn or how safe we are. Those things just happen. And this happened in a space where we could grow so much from it. So I'm, I'm not happy it happened, but I'm so proud of us all for doing that work together. One thing that I was really challenged with is people were saying maybe part of the experience is that you were holding so much for everybody for so long that by the end of it, you didn't have anything left. So like maybe even in the confrontation where I like I lost out to memory time, like memory time won that round. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that disparaging to myself, like with DID, it happens, right? Like it just happens. And in this case, memory time won that round for like a week. Mm -hmm. Like I'm alive. I'm here. I am back in the present. And also that was more than just switching, mm -hmm. like whatever happened there, yeah. that was bad. And that was memory time. And so could I have had more capacity to manage even that phase of things, even if it had still happened differently 
if I had not been overly spending myself that whole week. And I thought about that a lot because outside of the context, the same is true, right? Because then the weeks before that, I was pushing for the retreat and I was pushing for the book. And then before that, like all, like how far back do you go? Mm -hmm. That is what I do is overextend myself because I have always had to. Yeah. So at what point do I stop? And I have tried in some ways, like reducing harm, right? Like I'm not doing deployments. I've tried these different ways. I have insurance benefits, kind of. Like I'm, I'm trying to do the things mm -hmm. of reducing harm. And the absence of harm or less harm is fantastic. Like that's a good thing. That counts as progress. And also I had not added any good. Yeah. So I was still, even though I had tried as best I can to stop reenacting trauma through my work and through doing too much and things like that, I had not added in good. So I was still reenacting deprivation. Mm. So one of the things, trying to take that feedback seriously, because they talked about like the whiplash between Dr. E leaving because the sessions were done and we still have an overnight in the next morning before people like before the retreat is over. Mm -hmm. So it was like, they said like whiplash of the difference between, which is so funny because we're all like, we know DID, right? Yeah. Like, so what do you, well, yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's like that time I wrote that paper and the, for the peer reviewed article and the, one of the reviewers wrote back, there are different voices in this. <laughs> Do you think? Do you really think? <laughs> it reminds me of that. Like, of course, oh, there's some whiplash. I'm not Dr. E. I can't do this or whatever. You yeah. know, but seriously, taking that feedback and trying to apply it of like, okay, it's good I am reducing harm. If there are other ways to provide for myself that don't require so much overextending, that would be great. But it's really hard for me to hold space for how that's possible. But what I can do is add good. Yeah. And so what is that going to look like? So one of the things I did was I found a ballroom dance studio to get back to dancing, which I have not done since the children came into our lives because you can't when you have 11 babies under six. That's a long time. That poor dress of yours has been hanging up waiting for you for a long oh, time. Oh, my competition? I don't yeah. know if people even know that I used to do ballroom competitions. That's so She's funny. got one of those fancy dresses. Oh, it's so weird. That's a whole different thing. But for real, it is something that helped me regulate and mm -hmm. feel good. It was, for me, here's why I love ballroom dancing. I don't care about the dresses. I am not shaped like a ballroom dancer. Like none of that bothers me or like even motivates me. What I like about ballroom dancing is it is the only place in my life at that time when I was doing it before that I did not have to be perfect. Mm. And part of why I thought of that this weekend is because in our jobs, yours and mine, mm -hmm. when I get deployed or things like the retreat, if I make a mistake, people die. With my children, if I don't have Kyrie's oxygen correct or this or that, like people die if I make a mistake. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. 
that doesn't even get into things like shiny happy like just at a pragmatic level it's a lot of pressure mm -hmm. so to then make a mistake when people were this vulnerable it was devastating it was devastating that i had caused harm mm -hmm. and because that thread is so woven in my life it connected to living mm -hmm which is why I needed to go to the big house for a little while. <laughs> I think the big house is usually jail. Oh, so let's clarify. I did you, not go to did jail. did not go to jail. <laughs> I did not go to jail. I just was trying to be cool. It was very fun. The big house, that always means jail. I think usually. Oh yeah, I should not say that on a podcast. You I did not go to jail. You had to go to the padded room. <laughs> yeah, buddy. You got a booty dart because I couldn't stop crying. Then no. I slept. No. How are you getting me to talk about this? I'm sorry. That's awful tricky. My therapist was like, did you go to group? And I said, well, my bottom was in my chair in group. And that's what you're asking. <laughs> Uh, someone went to group. <laughs> John Mark gonna be trying to find the what do they call under the house? Oh, the crawl space. Gonna find the crawl spaces in the hospital. Where, like girl interrupted <laughs> to go play bowling. Oh my goodness! No, we did uh, not do that. Because the best way to get out of the hospital is to be very shiny happy. Mm -hmm. I know how to do that. Oh, and also I'm safe. Okay. <laughs> Let's check on that for a minute. Uh-huh. And you know how you, before they let you go, you have to show that you have therapy appointments, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, look at my portal. She has me scheduled through like 2035. <laughs> The rest of your life. <laughs> I am doomed. It's going to be a race between you and your therapist who dies first to get oh out of Oh, my goodness. I can't <laughs> no, even. I'm Don't. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, she's my Linda. Mm -hmm. I don't think they've heard that yet because that comes up on the mapping episodes, and those are coming up next. Are they still coming up? Oh, you can do the podcast? Yeah. I would like for you to help me if you have time and spoons this is me asking for help mm -hmm. i want to i know all the episodes but the interviews have been taken down it was a rough week okay give me some space <laughs> i'm trying here i i what i need to do is listen through the episodes and do just a tiny bit of editing, not for content or changing what we shared, but just for safety. Mm -hmm. Because it's been a long time, and that's a lot of me to just be out in the world. Yeah. And then I want to re-release the episodes and maybe do a season of that to give me some time and space with my therapist that is more private. Mm -hmm. So that that can still be valid and out there. And you and I can keep doing recaps of webinars and things for more recent things. But I, I need, if I'm going to heal and if I'm going to attach to my therapist, which I am not admitting isn't happening. It's already happened. 
Stop. <laughs> Hush, child. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that came out in his voice. Uh, it was a nice little growl. <laughs> um, I, I need time and space to just be safe with my therapist. Mm-hmm. Where it's not everyone else's business. Yeah. I think I can still share my process and my journey in ways that are appropriate and helpful. As long as it's still needed. And depending on how you vote. There's going to be a vote. Um, in the United States of America. Oh, oh yeah. That vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, please vote. Protect the podcast. Save the podcast. Vote. There you go. Let's make up a poster. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> So anyway, as long as it's safe and legal to say the things I want and need to say to um, continue helping people, I, I want to keep going. I just want it to be healthy. And because I'm really starting to dig into things with my therapist, I need that privacy. Mm-hmm. And I think people understand that and appreciate that. But also, like one of the things I learned from this weekend is it doesn't mean that what is hard is lost. Right. So I think we can reclaim all like 600 episodes that have come down. I think we can reclaim what is good and useful about them. Mm -hmm. They just need to be in context. And have enough safety for you. Right. important. Because you are very important to all of us, and we want you to be safe. Oh, my goodness. Want some more love? No. Okay. That was one of the hardest parts of the weekend was receiving care. Yeah. Turns out not, not a the strongest <laughs> skill set of mine. I'm aware of that, actually. Uh, yeah. I am trying. Oh, the other things, trying to focus on littles, which I don't want to do at all, by the way. But the, one of the other things that I've done is I contacted my piano teacher from forever ago and was like, Let's work together. I have that benefits card mm-hmm. that has just the tiny weird amount that is for wellness. Mm-hmm. And they're all woke about their wellness. And I'm like, I'm trying to walk on my foot right. in the snow. <laughs> okay. But I can use my wellness for that. Right. And so I don't have to pay for piano. Nice. But just to have like once a month to check in mm-hmm. with a teacher without it being a budgetary problem, mm-hmm. like the lessons for dance, I can do that. Um, and also, I bought another cello. Yeah. It is not a good cello. It is not a fancy or expensive cello. It is a very cheap cello. And also, I really like playing cello, and I miss it a lot, and it's been several years. Mm-hmm. So it's an example of there was a trauma that's happened, but I've also not done anything about it because it felt like I couldn't do anything about it. So, like, the kids broke it, and now it's gone forever. Mm-hmm. But that's not true. Even if I can't afford a nice one, I could still practice, yeah. and I could still play. And so I did. I just ordered it, and that's maybe the first time that I have just spent money on myself in that kind of way. Mm -hmm. So I really did try to take their feedback to heart because I don't want, I mean, I know I'm human and I make mistakes and 
I'm actually trying to encourage mistakes because of trying to be unshiny and unhappy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this was very unhappy. <laughs> this last night of the retreat was an A-plus on the unhappy. It's like uh, dingy and mad instead of shiny and happy. <laughs> <laughs> Can we name it that? Dingy and mad? Sure. So I... I didn't want this to happen, but also it's just, I'm human. And so I'm going to make other mistakes, but also I don't want to make mistakes that happen because I'm not caring for myself in a way that would prevent mistakes. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does a lot. I think that's what people were trying to tell me. Yeah. And from me, and I think from them also, but I will only speak for me. I'm not so worried about the mistakes. I'm more wanting to make sure that all of you is tended to all the time as much as possible. Yeah, that didn't uh -huh. land. I know. <laughs> even though I'm aware you said it. So like the way I physically said it, but it didn't land. And then yeah. I left the house. You all said it and I'm aware you said it. Yeah. It's not getting in. I think you have some care busters in there. What? Yeah. Oh, it's okay. I have lots. It's good. They're going to hear about care busters on mapping. Yeah. But I needed to tend to this first. Mm -hmm. Because if I can say this in a healthy context, not a codependent, not a trauma bonding, literally according to the chart, a healthy context, mm -hmm. it turns out one of the things I learned in the last week, while I had lots of time to think about things in the hospital is that the podcast is actually just a part of me. Mm -hmm. I don't mean a part part. I mean, it's a part of my life and I actually want it to be a part of my life. Yeah. And so for me to move forward in the podcast and be authentic about it, I needed to acknowledge and be transparent that I made this mistake. It caused harm, I'm really sorry. And also look at all the beautiful things that came out of being human together. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you feel like we need to say or share that we didn't? Or anything that we shouldn't have or needs to come out? Do we respect people's privacy? I think so. I hope so. I hope I didn't speak too much for anybody else. Um, I think we did okay. Well... Yeah, I think it was also important for me to talk about this because I think it's happened in other ways. Like, for mm -hmm. example, people kept getting kicked out of the community on the old site. And I'm like, I, it only does that if you're not in a group. Except then it happened to me and I was in a group and I was like, I didn't, like, it wasn't that I didn't believe you. Mm -hmm. But also, I literally didn't have access for a way to fix that. And so one of the things that I'm excited about the new website is that when there are problems like that, there's a way for us to help people get back in. Like when there's a tech problem, yeah. tech is something we can solve when we have access to it ourselves. Especially when you have a tech expert. The maxpert. Uh, the maxpert. Yeah. So I just, I think the same kind of thing happened where I was causing harm on accident in that mm. situation as well. And I don't know how to be like, hey, the community's better now if you want to try again. When people are like, last time I tried, I got kicked out. 
Well, I mean, thinking maybe just did send out an invitation for people to try it again to see that it's safer. The new website. And that you're willing to try repair with people. Clearly, because look at this whole episode. But I don't want to not know yeah. about people's pain. And I don't want to cause pain even on accident. And I know that because we have trauma and deprivation, that there are times we cause pain and don't know or don't tend to it because we don't know how or don't see it. And so one of the best things for me that came out of this weekend was not just the retreat itself, but capacity to sit and know. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like when I was in crisis in 2020 because of everything that happened with my previous therapist, one of the best gifts from what felt like the most painful time in my life was learning to tolerate my feelings. So I know for some of you, Listeners, not implying anyone at this table. <laughs> that learning to feel feelings is still new. So I don't mean to judge that or mock that at all. But when I had nothing but feelings to feel, I learned how to do that. So for me, that piece is a little bit easier in a way that it was not in the beginning. Yeah. But in this specific, I feel like practicing repair as a group gave me a new capacity that I never had access to before like unlocked like we leveled up I was just gonna say that like this for me for feeling feelings I feel like this was a quest in a game and I just got like 10 levels like I did pretty good yeah you did <laughs> Right? Yeah. It feels like a really big deal. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that we can say this hurt and was horrible pain and not okay. And also that we can move forward from it to say... I care about you and also you hurt me and it is not okay for you to treat me like that. Or like we tell the kids, we always say, this is not how we treat people we love. Yeah. How would you like to say the same thing differently? Like to be able to do that, not, here's the hard part that I'm avoiding and talking around, not just doing that with other people externally, but doing that internally with parts of myself of I... And really uncomfortable in your presence <laughs> and knowing that you are there and also maybe it's actually possible for me to tolerate it <laughs> my therapist today did a lot of the thing where they're like so who was that exactly which one was oh, do you want to do you want a you... name does that have a name does that I'm like stop did you say anything? You I said pass. Oh. <laughs> I said I'm not there. I made progress being aware 
I worked really hard and people in the group were so helpful helping me put the pieces together. I used my phone, I talked to Nathan. One thing Nathan said that I was not aware of is he said that Dr. E always does that. That anytime Dr. E gives a presentation, she slips through the, he said, I'm sorry, it's a religious reference, but he said she slips through the crowd like Jesus. That she always leaves after giving a talk or a presentation. Mm -hmm. I did not know this. Okay. So I'm sure that didn't help. Like it mm -hmm. makes sense to me with all the pieces of like how things unfolded, even though none of it was malicious or intentional yeah. in that way. But anyway, putting pieces together and tolerating them, maybe gonna need to start naming them. One of the things, okay, this is what I'll end with. One of the things that happened for me in the retreat was, you know, how we could pass on something and as long as we wrote it down on a post-it note to take back to our therapist. Yes. Have you taken any post-it notes to your therapist? They were in the office Tuesday morning, but they were not discussed <laughs> or looked at and they are not there now. <laughs> Does that count as partial credit? I'll take them next week, I promise. I do not mean that as peer pressure. I mean it as delight in your mad <laughs> skills of avoidance. They were there in the room. Okay, we'll clarify next time the rules of the game. But here's where I get held accountable. One of mine that came up is I think when we were talking about mapping in the retreat, which they're about to hear on the podcast coming up. Good luck. What did you say? Good luck. Oh. <laughs> One of the things that we talked about in the mapping sessions were that mapping, sometimes therapists get overly stuck in the genogram aspect of mapping. So we talked about word clouds. We talked about those conversation drawings that mm -hmm. we do where you have the profile of the person. And then I put on the outside what my therapist asked. And then I put on the inside of the head. Like the person isn't drawn in at all. Mm -hmm. It just is. Here are all the thoughts and things that came up when the therapist asked a simple question, right? Yeah. That's a way to do it. Um, index cards with like facts about people if you need to be cognitive or just get information. Like different ways, right? But one of the things I shared was the circle notebook. Like the actual from the episode unboxing ourselves. Mm -hmm. That will come back up. Allegedly will come back up. <laughs> But I think part of what it's just time to do, and you all made me put it, made me put it on a post-it because accurate, like I got called out. I think I need to do a new notebook with my therapist. Mm -hmm. Partly because that one, one of the things that went wrong in therapy before was that it was so focused on the therapist. Yeah. Meaning everything was attached to it. Like she was like, you know, it's now time if you can see me. Mm -hmm. But there's a whole lot of my life when I'm not with my therapist, right? So what happens then? And then when I've lost my therapist, what does that mean about now time? Right. Right. So that was actually really dangerous. So my circle notebook, which is like our notebook with all the questions that everybody who could and we had access to over time answered. So to like fill it out took like five years mm -hmm. and it's still not complete. 
but it's very focused on that therapist and it's very focused on things that were happening at that time contextually that don't necessarily apply now. So I think it's really just time for a new notebook. Yeah. So that's on my list of things that also did not make it to my therapist yet. <laughs> okay, that was a lot. It was a lot. But it was important, I think. Mm -hmm. I think I came away with muscles at some of the content of the topics that we talked about that I had only sort of dabbled in before, but now I feel like I have muscles for this. I have muscles to set a boundary. I have muscles to say no. I have capacity now to say I feel angry. I have... I feel betrayed. Maybe that ah, one. I feel betrayed. Yeah. And also relational muscles that I didn't have before to share space with someone to tolerate my feelings and their feelings at the same time, to connect in healthy ways even when hard things are happening so that it's not trauma bonding, so that it's not codependency and holding ground for health, mm -hmm. for growth. Like, it was life-changing for me even if the last night was also really, really hard. Yeah. And... One of the, my favorite things people keep pointing out in the community, in that group, is that n even though I felt abandoned, that no one just even checked in with me, mm -hmm. and you all felt abandoned because I was physically gone, and all of that, like, completely valid, all of that. And also, we have not abandoned each other since. Right. Like, we have stayed with it. We have had the hard conversations. We have continued to connect we have found new ways to try to stay connected and continue to talk that and the growth in that relationally is huge yes any feelings about what you took out of it with the rupture i am actually feeling settled which is a nice feeling Thank you for listening. Your support of the podcast, the workbooks, and the community means so much to us as we try to create something together that's never been done before. Not like this. Connection brings healing. And you can join us on the community at www.systemspeakcommunity.com. We'll see you there.